Our personal core values affect everything we do and the decisions we make. The same goes for the local church. Get your Bible and notes ready as Pastor Ron shares in our series, Identity. to see you and um, we are as uh, Jonathan's just talked about into the last of a series of six that we've been working through five values that we believe as a church we need to hang on to and we defined church right at the beginning of this series as you me the body of Christ the church is the corporate gathering or we represent or we are the church we represent Jesus Christ in everything that we do so when we talk about the church we're speaking about ourselves and not the building and we need to recognize that and as we conclude our identity series today where we've been looking at these values this service worship outreach relationship last week and today the final one of discipleship the acrostic if you want to take the first letter of all of those spells sword if you want to mix mix it all mix, uh, mix it all up and do something completely different you can make a different word if you like but words probably fits as well but sword, we feel that the sword is really the essential value. Sword of the Spirit, the Word, the Bible is essentially uh, what, well, it's not essentially, it's exactly what we believe we want to be um, living our lives by. And so it's to that end that we come to the series end. Because when we talk of the church gathered, we're speaking to us and you are the church so if you have this idea that the church should do more that means that we are probably saying i should step up not everybody else and we need to recognize that i think it's important to understand that the reality is that what we've been saying and continue to say is that every one of us makes up the church so in other words we as the church have a responsibility to shine our light or to reflect the light of Jesus Christ into our community. We, we can only do that though if our identity or if we identify with Christ. In other words, what we're saying is that we need to be his disciples. We need to be where he wants us to be and it, the questions I think that we can ask and will be asking today is is being a disciple of Jesus a step up the ladder of just being a follower of Jesus is there another level from being a Christian to being a disciple um is it possible to even be a loyal follower of Jesus Christ and not be a disciple of Jesus? We're going to answer those questions in a couple of extras during today. And I pray that as we look at discipleship and recognize 
that it is central to us as a church and individually that we'll recognise our place in that. So in doing that, I want you to turn in your scriptures. It will be on the screen as well. For those that are online, it'll be on the bottom of your screen. Um, so turn to Luke 14 if you want to follow through. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation again this morning primarily. Um, but this is Luke chapter 14 and it's where Jesus is actually talking to a large group. It says that right at the beginning. A large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and said to them, go back home. No, he didn't say that. I'm wondering whether sometimes he felt like that. But he didn't say that, and that's important, because if you want to be my disciple, he says, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin, inference being being a disciple, don't begin to be a disciple until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or that king, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counsellors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers coming against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still a long way off. So you cannot be Come, sorry, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything that you own. Now, this passage of scripture I know is familiar to some of you. It may not be to all of you, but the, I'm sure that there are some who would read that passage of scripture and who perhaps have never heard these words before and cringe at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So the first thing, we're going to get straight into the point here today. The first thing I want us to recognize, who is Jesus speaking to? Who is he speaking to? The answer to that really lies in the first verse. It tells us it was the multitudes. There was a large crowd gathering. They were following Jesus around everywhere, and he turned around and started to speak to them. It wasn't... Anyone else, it wasn't just the disciples, it was a large crowd. And I find that interesting because many believe in our culture and around the place, in church culture particularly, that a disciple is some kind of super Christian where they're a more mature Christian. You can come into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and then move your way up the spiritual ladder, so to speak, and then you can become a disciple of Jesus. If that were the case, why would Jesus speak to the crowds about this and not specifically to his disciples? See, it's 
the multitudes he speaks to, and, and even in the multitudes, there are, I am absolutely confident, people who are in the group called the multitudes or the crowd who are still questioning whether they believe in Jesus or not. There's, there are typically in Jesus' multitude talks, there are the Pharisees who definitely don't believe that he is the son of God. They came to actually trick him up. And it's likely that there are some in this group. So when Jesus talks to the crowd, he's not specifically talking to those who have already made a decision to follow him. He's talking to them, some of them at least, before they've even committed themselves to him. In fact, I'm confident that the majority of this crowd didn't even fully understand what was really what Jesus was all about anyway and Jesus actually confronted them on that at some point in John 6 he, he's with the crowd on one occasion and he questions the motivation for them following him he says I tell you the truth you want to be with me because I fed you this was right after the feeding of the 5,000 not because you understood the miraculous signs. And I'm confident that the crowds that were still following Jesus in Luke 14 were probably of the same mindset. They had seen, heard, wondered, questioned. They'd been, they'd felt the, uh, someone talked to, talk to the talk to someone else and they'd pass it. Oh, you heard of this Jesus? No, well, he's in town. Come along and see what he's up about. Oh, on to. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's no doubt in my mind that there are some in this crowd who did not believe in Jesus at this point. But the num and the number who had made a commitment to Jesus was far less than those who had. Yet Jesus speaks to the crowd about what it means to be a disciple. He was questioning their motive for being there it was going to take a lot more what Jesus was saying to them it was going to take a lot more than just physical healing or being fed or coming along to find an argument that you can use against me in the future in some point if you want to be a disciple of mine you've got to come with a different motive to just trying to trick me up and when Jesus spoke about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, he was speaking to everyday people. The, the, the crowd of our community, the, the community who didn't really even understand why, what he was doing or why he was there. Many who had not made any form of any kind of commitment except to hear the message or to hear or to see Jesus in the flesh. So, why does Jesus do or, or talk to the crowd like that? What does Jesus say to them that makes it sound so exciting and fun to become a disciple of Jesus? I love what Jesus does to make it sound exciting and fun. He tells them, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to hate your mother, father, brother and sister. That's exciting. Everyone wants to do that. 
And he goes even a step further. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to actually hate yourself in this process. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not about spiritual maturity. And by the way, we're not going to dwell too much on it, but Jesus was not essentially talking about the hate in the kind of context that we think. We'll talk a little bit about it further on down. But being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not about spiritual maturity. It's not some elevated step up the ladder of Christianese. It's given to us simply out of obedience to Jesus Christ, to the word of God. John 8, 31 tells us that Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's just being faithful to what Jesus talks about. You want to be a disciple of me, says Jesus, you need to do what I, I'm saying. You need to listen to what I'm showing you. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, we make the decision at that point to submit our lives or our will into the hands of Jesus from that moment on. That's what giving our life to him literally means. It says, I recognize that I cannot do this on my own and I'm going to give my life to you, Lord Jesus Christ, to run. And I submit my will to you. That's what it means to give our life to Jesus Christ. If you have given your heart to Jesus Christ, then you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. There is no next level of, of Christian talk or Christian walk or anything. If you have given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a disciple of Jesus but there's a caution here for every single one of us. If we are not obedient then to the word of God, if we are not living our life in accordance with the word of God, if we are stubborn in our heart, hard-hearted in our attitude to these things, if we are set on maintaining the things that we have in this world while we at the same time try to commit our, our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we probably need to examine our hearts at that point. Because it's, it's not really, if we, if we have given our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, what right do we say no? If, if Jesus Christ is Lord of our life, if we are a disciple of his, we will do what he says, not what I say or what you in your life say. And that's a caution for us. As a disciple of Jesus, we will make mistakes. This is not about being this super Christian where you're not going to make mistakes and things are not going to go badly. You are going to find that as a Christian, you are going to make, and as a disciple, you're going to make mistakes. That's because you're human and I'm human. We'll say things we don't want to. We'll not say things we should. We'll make mistakes in, in the way we do things. We'll upset people from time to time. But the reality is, we cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ 
and have an unwillingness or a stubbornness of heart at the same point. When we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the stubbornness goes. How do I know that? The scriptures tell me that. Ezekiel 36, 26. This is God saying what happens when we submit to him, I'll give you a new heart. The, I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stony, stubborn, hard-heartedness and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. When we give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he removes the stubbornness. He ch we, we change. So for us to hang on to a stubbornness, and say that we've committed our life to the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't actually measure up. If our stubborn heart remains, it's unlikely from the scriptures that God has done anything in our heart because he tells us that he'll take the stony hard heart away and he'll give us a tender flesh heart and a responsive heart that's going to be responsive to him. Being a disciple of Jesus is the evidence of a changed heart. That's how we define a disciple of Jesus, someone who has a heart change. And it means that everyone who has given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not meant to be negative. It's, not me it's just neutral in, in its context there because we need to understand what the scriptures or how the scriptures define discipleship. How do we become a disciple of Jesus Christ? So, which is point two, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, Jesus actually addresses this in the second verse. And he says this, or the second sentence of the verse that we read. If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison, and this is where he, he gets a little bit to the core of things, hate everyone else. He doesn't even say everything else. He says everyone else, but your father, mother, brother, sister, wife and children, and yes, even your own life. He says, if you don't do that, otherwise, he says, you can't be my disciple. Now that's pretty hard hitting because I love my brother and my sister, my brother and my sisters. I have one brother and two sisters. I love my mum and dad. So is Jesus saying that in order to be his disciple, I've got to write that off. I've got to ignore them, do what I want, and following Jesus Christ and ignore my parents and my family. I'll tell you something. No, he's not saying that at all. What Jesus was saying to the crowd at that point, that if you want to call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you must put everything else, including your father, mother, brother, sister, below Jesus Christ. Jesus needs to take priority in our life. Hate in this context, if you want to go back to original language, but hate in this context is not the hate that we think of. It literally just means it shouldn't be your priority. It shouldn't be your focal point. The focal point is on Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, I've got to be first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Second commandment is 
Equally as important, love others, and that's where they fit into, as yourself. We need to put God first. Seek first, Matthew 6, 33 says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be given to you as well. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus has to be first. He has to be on top. It's not possible. What Jesus is saying, it's not possible to be his disciple if anything other than him is at the top of that list. And if we are to be a disciple of anything, take Jesus out of the equation just for a moment. If you want to be a disciple of something or someone anywhere, it's the same, same rule. They, that person or that thing has to be at the top. Otherwise, you're really not following that. You're not, it, it's not or they're not the center of your life. And Jesus says, I need to be the center of your life. The word disciple literally means learner. It doesn't essentially mean follower, but it's implied. A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who is a learner. The Greek word that's translated as disciple is the word methetes. And it carries with it, this word carries with it the understanding of following, but in an apprentice kind of way. So as an apprentice of Jesus Christ, I'm going to follow, but I'm learning what it means to be like Jesus Christ. That's what methetes means. And the word methetes is made up of two, the, word, the first part of it, M-A-T-H, math. Guess where we get the word mathematics from? The same meaning is implied here. Mathem the word math is a literal meaning, mental effort needed to, to think something through. That's what it means. So what Jesus is saying in using the word methetes is what, she's did, what he did. The inference is that a disciple of Jesus who is a learner and follower of Jesus Christ who is intent on learning the instructions of the word of God, of the Bible, so that it affects how we live. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If we are calling ourselves disciples of Jesus, we will be making an effort in our own way, in our own life, to give up our old way of living, to put aside the things that are contrary to the word of God and begin to conform to the patterns that Jesus Christ lays out for us in his word. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth and he had to address an issue where the, the Christians, or they weren't called Christians at this point, but the Christ followers, those who were following Christ, were suing each other. They were having these arguments and taking their complaints to the courts. And Paul actually addressed it in Corinthians. They, they just, in, in the church at Corinth at that time, they weren't willing to just let the other person win. They had to be... First, they had to get their point across and be emphatically first in that. And, and Paul addressed it. They were stubborn. They felt that they had a right to stand up for their rights. They knew they were right and the other person was wrong. But look at what Paul says to them in 1 Corinthians 6. 
He said, verse 7, it says, Now therefore it's an all, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, he goes on. Neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, uh, covetous, nor drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But... You were washed. You were sanctified. You gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You made a decision. You were, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of the God. And Paul's saying, because you did this, why do you continue to live like you used to? We need to have a different attitude, says Paul. And there are letters, other letters of Paul, of Timothy, Peter as well. And, and there are others in the scriptures all saying that the same thing, the natural process for the one who has given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ is that we will grow and begin to mature and learn to be like him. That's what it means. A disciple of Jesus is going to find that it will cost. It may not cost us financially, although it may, because it may be that you have to give up a well-paying job to do something else that God wants you to do. It may not mean, though, that you have to do that. It may not mean that you are going to lose your family. Although it may be that you do in the process of that because they may not understand what's going on. What Jesus was saying was that if you want to be my disciple, then you need to be ready to give up those things. Don't hang on to them at the expense of losing being a disciple of me. And I wonder whether we sugarcoat at times what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ when we're talking with others. We're quick to speak about the love of God. We're quick to speak about his power and his authority. We're quick to speak about the need to turn from our sin and, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those things are vitally important and true. There is tremendous freedom in those things. And they need to be spoken about. We should be talking about that because they're true. But what happens when someone gives their heart to the Lord under that understanding and then discovers that it's cost them their job because of their, because of their faith? Which is exactly what Jesus is doing here. What happens if they lose their friends and their family because of now their new faith, their belief? Does God love them? Yes, he does. Has he changed them? Yes, he has. Are things like they used to be? No, they're not. But we're quick to then say, well, God, if you're wanting to bless me, how come? Why am I losing all of these things that I've been holding on to for so long? 
Just because we give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, that doesn't automatically mean everything is going to work out the way that we think they should. Or that all of our problems coming into this discipleship process will disappear. It doesn't mean that all of our problems are going to go. But it does mean that when we give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we give our lives to him, he gives us his Holy Spirit to help us through the times that he says we're going to have, the difficulties in life that are going to draw us into his presence and faith in him all the more. We are no longer going to try and have to get through some of these difficulties on our own because we have the Holy Spirit working alongside of us, guiding us and helping us and supporting us in the process of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is far better to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and miss out on some of those other things than to miss out on the Lord Jesus Christ and hang on to those other things that the world wants us to hang on to. John 14, familiar passage. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you an advocate you will never, he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. This is what happens. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But when you gave your heart to me, you, you do know him because he lives in you now and later will be in you. And then he goes on to say in John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. So what does a disciple of Jesus do? They learn from Jesus. They follow his instructions. And then Jesus makes this statement. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment now. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that... You're my disciple. That's how the world will know that we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, by the love that comes from us through the Holy Spirit, because we love heavenly, the Heavenly Father. His love is poured on us, through us, and we begin to express that love to our community and those that we can connect with every single day. The world will know that we are his disciples by the love that we have. Conversely, the same is true. The world will not recognize that we are if we are not loving. The way we love will show others whether we are a disciple of Jesus Christ or not. If we profess to be a follower of Jesus, how we love will display what a Christian really is to our community. What are they going to see? Are they going to see any difference? And thirdly, we need to understand that there is a cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We've covered this, but I want us to understand, is there a difference between being a follower of Jesus Christ and a disciple? I don't think so. It's a natural process. It is what it is. The difference if there is any kind of difference, is a willingness to endure and count the cost of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
You could say or argue to that point and say, well, am I or have I given my heart to the Lord if I'm not willing to count the cost? Because that's the question Jesus was putting to the crowd. What builder begins to build a, a building and not count the cost? What king goes to war with 10,000 people against a, an army of 20,000 without counting the cost? What person says, I will follow Jesus Christ without counting the cost, was the inference that he was making here. There is a cost to following Jesus Christ. Giving up everything we own, perhaps. When we give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, we give him total control of everything. The last verse, the verse that we read this morning in Luke 14, 33, it says, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. You can't. I can't. It's not possible to do that. Why? Because when we give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, we give him total control of our life. That's what that phrase means. Otherwise, we really haven't given our heart to the Lord or our life to the Lord Jesus Christ at all. Giving up everything that we own is not saying that we have to get rid of everything that we own. That's not what that's saying. It means literally that it now becomes God's to use. So you don't have to go home and think, oh, well, I've got all this stuff. I've just got to get rid of it. That's not what this verse is saying. It's saying you've given it up and you've given it over to the Lord Jesus Christ to use how he wants to use it in your life and my life. So it, he wants to be used more than what I determine how it should be used. So, so my house, it's the Lord's now to use how he wants to pay for that, how he wants to deal with that, how he wants me to use that. As I trust him, even for the finances to maintain it, it's the Lord's house. I trust him for that. Or not just my, the big things, our time becomes the Lord's. You and I both have 24 hours in a single day. How do I use my time? Well, I've got to be conscious that I've got to be a good steward of my time because he's allocated some time or all the time to me to do what now he wants because I've given my life to him. My time is his. And we need to be careful that our, even our, the, this is a spiritual term, stuff that we own is his. He may want us to get rid of it, some of it, because it's a hindrance to what he wants us to do. But it's not saying that you've got to go home and clean out your cupboards. He's not saying you've got to get rid of all your clothes. He's not going to say you're going to sell your house up. He's not saying that directly. Some of those things may be true, but what he is saying is, I want to take control of those things now. And with those things and with your giftedness that I've given you and your passion and your willingness to learn and your desire to follow, we, God and us, can do amazing things. God will do amazing things through our society and as a disciple of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be that disciple. And it's an exciting life to live. That's what being a disciple is all about. Even, even our children are the Lord's. 
And that's where some of us as human beings struggle a little bit. But I want to say this, but when we come to terms with the fact that even our children belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, we can experience tremendous freedom when things don't work out with our children, even the way that we think they should. Because they're his, and we need to trust him with that. We have a responsibility as, as parents to train up our children in the knowledge of the Lord. We have that responsibility. But they belong to him. And we've got to trust him with them at times because you're not going to be with them 24-7, nor should you be. They need to make their own choices and decisions and we entrust our children into the Lord's care. They belong to him. While we might make decisions on how we're going to use our money or, or where we buy our home, and those kinds of decisions, hopefully through prayer, but we will make those decisions, but we need to make them as a steward of Jesus Christ. Okay, Lord, where do you want me to live? How do you want me to spend this money? Where do you want me to be used in or this, this stuff to be used? How can I glorify you in how I live here? I'm a disciple of yours. They belong to you. If you want me to get rid of them, I'm happy to get rid of them. If you want to use them, I'm happy to use them. I just want to be your faithful servant. They belong to him. And having the wrong attitude here leads us to being a slave of what we own. If we think they're ours, we're going to be so protective and work our way at trying to protect that stuff when that's going to distract us from what God wants us to be doing. And we'll be constantly finding ourselves worried when those things disappear or financial crisis, those sorts of things. But when we understand that God owns them, all we are needing to do is to be a good steward of them. And the focus shifts then from performance and comparison to everything else onto obedience and faithfulness to God. And that's important. Our, our focal point shifts on those things when we come to that conclusion. The disciple of Jesus Christ needs to count the cost. Are you and I willing to do that? Are we willing to let go and let God take control of those things? If your answer is no, then Jesus says, you can't be my disciple. Because a disciple needs to be willing to count the cost and follow through on it. You cannot, Jesus says, become a disciple of Jesus and yet remain in control of your own life. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just wanting us to understand what the scriptures tell us. Giving our life to Jesus Christ means that he takes control. And we take on the role of being a manager of God's stuff, of God's resources. He knows what's best. He knows our future. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our past and he will always do what's right and many have walked away even today but in Jesus's time the scriptures tell us many walked away at that point because of what Jesus had laid out and the requirements of what it means to be a disciple 
Later on, the book, the writer of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews writes this. This high priest of ours, referring to Jesus Christ, okay? This high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses for he, is, he faced all of the same testings we do and yet he didn't sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help when we need it most. Being a disciple of Jesus will mean that we will learn from him and we will do what he does. And then in Luke 6 verse 40, it says a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. We won't ever be above Jesus Christ, but we can be like Jesus Christ. When we learn and follow, when this methetes kicks in, we learn as an apprentice and we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe as a, as a church, as the body of Christ, that being a disciple of Jesus is really what we are supposed to be doing. He wants all of us to be trained. He wants us all to be prepared. He wants all of us to submit to him. He wants us to take our focus off the stuff of life, all the worries of this world. He says, do not worry about the things of this world. Don't worry about building up treasure here on earth. Don't worry about all these things because your father knows, Jesus says, what you need even before you ask for it. He will provide us with everything that we need. To have faith, we need to have faith in his ability to see us through the difficulties. We have a mission. And the mission is outlined for, uh, outlined for us in Matthew 28 to make disciples and to teach them everything that we've been taught. So we need to be faithful to the mission. And today, I want to call you to that mission with me. I want you to join me sincerely on that mission. What I'm about to share with you, I shared with you back in 2019. Some of you will remember it. That's fine and that's wonderful and I encourage you in that. But I handed out a piece of paper to you in 2019 and if anyone can quote it by memory, I will just take my hat off to you. But I handed that piece of paper out to you in 2019. I know some of you have it because I've spoken to some of you. You have it tucked away in the inside cover of your Bible. I know you do. But what I want to read to you now, I'm asking that you would make this commitment with me. Again, afresh. Renew it. Now, there's a number of ways we can do this. If you're online and watching, there is a, there is a link on your version notes, if you're in service here and you're reading through your online notes on your phone or your devices, in your sermon outline on your devices, there is a link in that. If you're watching online on the online platform, coming up and on internally here, that are coming up on our screen right now is a QR code that you can click on. So if you have your phone, I don't have my phone on me, but if you hold that phone up to that and you scan that, it will take you through to what I'm about to read. And it will give you the option and of, of adding your name to this list. If you do not have technology, I have some copies. So don't stress that you're going to miss out on this. 
but I, want, I would love you to just put your phones up, scan the codes. If you're online, click on the link. There is an option at the bottom for you to say, I'm committing to this, to put your name and phone number and your email address, I think, is the three things. But this is the commitment that I'm asking of us. Don't sign it yet. Don't sign it yet because I'm saying what Jesus said to you. You need to count the cost here. And this is called the fellowship of the unashamed. It says, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back. I won't let up, slow down, back away or be still because my past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus, and I must keep going till he comes, give until I drop, preach until all know, work until he stops me, and when he comes, he will have no problem recognizing me because my banner will be clear. I'm asking you, join me on that. And if you are willing to do that and you're able to do your technology thing, in whether you're online or you're in person, please do that. Send it, submit it. I'll get a copy. You will also get a copy of exactly what you're signing here. It'll come into your inbox in your emails. You'll get a copy of it. You can print it off at home, put it up on your wall, do whatever you like. But I encourage you to do that. Now, just so you know, that was written, I found out a little bit more of the story on this, by a guy who was being held because of his faith. He was killed the very next day because he was asked to, to denounce his Christian faith and he refused to do it. This was written the night prior to that. We have to be that strong. So if that's you, I encourage you to come along with me. It's not going to be easy. We won't be popular. We'll probably stand out against the world's values. People will argue with you. They'll want to be right when you know you're right. They'll want to change your mind. They probably say things, write things about you that you know are definitely not true. 
You're going to be held accountable on things. It may mean that you end up in trouble and end up in prison or perhaps not so significant, not so serious is you'll be isolated from your family. It may mean that your values shift a little from where they've been. But I'm telling you that it's worth it. You can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you count that cost. But if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you have made the commitment to serve him and follow him and submit our life to him, he will be faithful. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always watch over us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to guide us and he will protect you even if it's not physically. Your soul is protected and you will find yourself in the kingdom of heaven. What greater joy. So I, I, I encourage you, invite you, if you haven't been able to fill it out or you can't fill it out at technology, I don't have a whole heap of pieces of paper here, but I have enough, I think. If I don't, well, we'll get some more. But I, I want you to take these from me later if you want to fill one out and take it home. But enjoy the walk that God has for you. Let me pray. We're going to sing a song in a moment, I Surrender All, I think it is the song that's coming up. If that's you, then it, let me put it another way. If you've signed that or want to sign that, if that's your desire to sign that electronically or physically, why not come and stand at the front here and make a public commitment this morning as a group of people? Because I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of you. You're not going to be on your own. But as we sing this hymn, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. Make that a commitment to follow him. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you for this church. I thank you for your faithfulness in all that we have seen and all that we can expect because we know that you are faithful and true. Father, we confess that we have not always been obedient to your word. But today we make a, a commitment to serve you and to honour you, to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, to honour you with what we have, what we say, our gifts that you have given us, that we might glorify our Father in heaven. So to that end, Lord, we pray. Ask for your help as we make a commitment to these words that we've read Father, you would help us to be sustained in that because I know it's going to be hard and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to let ourselves down and in the process perhaps even let you down in, the, in that. But Father, protect us. Raise us back up. Help us not to be too hard-hearted. Help us not to be too prideful to come before you and bow our knee in worship once again. So to that end, Father, I pray that your name might be honoured in the way that we live now as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask this now in your heavenly name. Amen.